Amen. Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, will you open it to Isaiah 53? Isaiah is uh, the, the best way to find it, I think, is to go to Psalms, which is one of the kind of the middle book of the Bible. Turn to the right about four books and you will come to Isaiah, flip to 53. Uh, it is towards the end. Do you remember the cross? Do you remember what Christ has done for you? Do you remember the blood that was shed for you? One of the things that I found is as, as a believer, as I continue to walk uh, with the Lord, is that I, I feel like I'm walking and I'm maturing in my faith, but so many times I forget what Christ has done for me. One of the really cool things about Isaiah 53 is it is the most quoted chapter in the entire Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's quoted by Matthew, it's quoted by Jesus, it's quoted by Paul, it's quoted by Peter. All the big characters in the Bible, they go back and quote Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is one of the very first times where the gospel is presented. The gospel, if you're, if you're new to church or if you're not familiar with the gospel, the gospel is the good news. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ is our salvation. He's our hope. Without him, we have nothing. Without him, we are hopeless. And as, I, as I've been thinking about Isaiah 53, and the Lord has just put that scripture on my heart, it is, it is one of the most vivid pictures of the cross. It's one of the most vivid pictures of what Christ has done for us. And as, as I've been reading through it, just the imagery, I mean, I feel like I'm right there. And I feel like as I've been looking at all the people in the New Testament who kept coming back to Isaiah 53, one of the things that they're saying is, remember the cross. Remember Jesus. Remember what God did for you through His Son, Jesus. Tonight we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 22, He says, do this in remembrance of me. What Jesus is saying is, is don't forget don't forget, and, and again, personally, and I think as I, as I talk with many, many, many people, one of the things that I find out is, is they forget the cross. They forget Jesus. They forget the good news that they have in Him. It's not that they, they, they lose their salvation. It's not that, that uh, the, the things of God are far from them. It's just they forget the essential, the, the number one thing. And tonight, that's what I believe God is calling us to do, is to go back and remember. As you walk through the Bible, uh, one of the things that I found is there's no like uh, verse that says, don't forget, one of the things you have to do is remember. There, there's nowhere that says that. It's just all throughout the passages it says, remember, remember the Lord, remember His works, remember where He brought you from, remember what He's done for you. And, and just to, to walk through that and, and to drive it home, I printed out... Actually, the word remember in the Bible is used about 245 times. And about 100 of the 245 times actually say, remember God. Remember God. Remember His works. And so I quoted, or I uh, typed out about 10 of them and just to read it. Say, remember, remember, remember. Deuteronomy 4.9 says only, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget 
the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 5.15 says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Deuteronomy 7:18. Be not afraid or but do not be afraid of them. Remember remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. Deuteronomy 8:2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Deuteronomy 8:18. But remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Deuteronomy 11, 1 through, 7, 1 through 7. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, his commands always. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God. Joshua 23, verse 4. Remember how the Lord has allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the lands of the nations that remain. David says in 1 Chronicles 16, 12, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has pronounced. Nehemiah 4, 14 is he is rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem and opposition is coming against him and people are saying, we're going to tear down the wall that you're rebuilding. Here's what Nehemiah says to the people. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Job thirty-six fourteen. remember to extol his work, which people have praised in song. Psalm 119, 52, David says, I remember... Lord, I, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Jeremiah 51.50, remember the Lord in a distant land and call to mind Jerusalem. Jesus says to his disciples, do you not understand? Do you not remember the loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets I gathered or you gathered? Uh, John 15.20, remember what I told you is what Jesus says to his disciples. And then Luke 22.19, in the Lord's Supper, he says, And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in what? In remembrance of me. A hundred times in the scriptures, from I just read from Deuteronomy all the way until uh, the Gospel of John. They say, Remember. Remember what God has done for you. Remember. Remember, and then I look at Isaiah 53, the most quoted scripture in the old, or excuse me, the old, the most quoted chapter from the Old Testament in the New Testament. Jesus saying, remember the cross. One of the things that I've found, and as I've studied the word and as I've listened to men speak, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is not only essential to coming to know the Lord, the gospel, the gospel one is essential for our justification, for standing before God and saying, God, I know you. I trust in Jesus as my sacrifice. The gospel is essential towards our sanctification in God. Understanding the gospel, remembering the cross, remembering who Jesus is, it is essential towards going forward in your faith. I talk with men on a regular basis who struggled with porn for years and years and years. And when I ask them, I sit down, I said... Tell me who you are in Christ. Tell me right now, how does Jesus view you right now? And they go, man, as, as a loser, as a guy who can't figure it out, as a guy who can't. And, and you know what the Bible says in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.21? It says, for our sake, 
And it's one of the only times in the Bible that, that this is said for our sake. Most of the time God says, for my name's sake, for the sake of my name. But this verse starts out, it says, for our sake, meaning for, all, for people, for us, for our sake, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. When we understand the cross, when we understand the good news, when we remember We can walk forward in our faith. It is the starting point for every single area in our life. Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1. If you have it, the very first time, and I just want to walk through this real fast. This is the first time in the Bible that the gospel is just very clearly laid out. It says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He, and it, and it transitions from Isaiah saying, God, all the way to Jesus says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Listen to this. As we walk through this, picture what he's saying. God watched Jesus as, as from a baby to a man to being crucified on the cross. He watched him grow up just as, as you could watch a plant as it grows from being just a little seed all the way to a plant. That's how God watched Jesus. It says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Listen to this. This is, this is the description of Jesus, and it'll blow every paradigm that we have. It'll blow every picture out of the water that you've ever seen of Jesus. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. Jesus, at his very best, was a normal-looking dude. And we see a picture of Jesus, right? What's he doing? He's standing there, studly looking, white face. Most likely Jesus wasn't white, but, but that's the pictures. He's got his, he just came out of the salon, right? His hair's did up. It's flowing in the wind. There's Jesus. And you look at it, and then I look at this verse, and I go, man, that's not Jesus at all. Jesus said, listen, if you follow me, it says foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests. If you follow me, you might have a rock to lay your head down. I can imagine like a real picture of Jesus would be like bedhead shoved up on the side of it just looking nasty. I mean, that's Jesus. It says he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. If you look at the original context of this verse, when it says he was a man familiar with suffering, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, it actually talks about a relationship that Jesus had with sorrows and suffering. It wasn't just, uh, you know, every once in a while he was sorrowful. It was actually a relationship that he had. He understood sorrows and suffering in a way that, that he knew it personally. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he but Jesus, regardless of our thoughts, regardless of what we think about him, regardless of everything that we've done, Jesus was pierced for your transgressions. Jesus was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Jesus. 
And by his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. The word iniquity and affirmity, when you look at its word, is actually, uh, it's, it, it speaks specifically about your personal weakness and diseases. Your personal weakness and diseases that Jesus, listen, people in here, you struggle with all kinds of things. I mean, I could go across the board and probably hit every single person. You'd go across the board and hit me with everything. And it says that Jesus took, not only did he take it upon him, if you look at at 1 Peter and several other scriptures, it says that Jesus became those things. Like in his DNA, in his heart, in his mind, the every single sin Jesus became. Do you remember? There's some people in here, you've been walking with the Lord for so long. You hear the gospel, you hear Isaiah 53, you hear uh, John 3.16, you hear all the scriptures that talk about, uh, about Jesus and what he did for us, but yet, does it play a part in our life? Does it change the way that we live? Does it, is it helping us in our sanctifi- sanctification, in our growing towards the Lord? Do you remember the cross? Do you remember what Christ has done for you? I want to just really recommend going back and looking at Isaiah 53. It is, it is the clearest picture in my mind. It starts out with God. Chapter, I mean, the, the very first verse starts out with God, that he is our creator. When it talks about the arm of the Lord, it ta- uh, the arm of the Lord actually refers to God in action. Anytime you see the arm of the Lord, anytime you see God's right hand, it talks about God in action. And then it moves all the way to Jesus, that, or, or excuse me, to man. That even though we saw God, and this is what Romans, Romans 1 through Romans 3, if you want the New Testament version of the gospel, is that there is God a creator. That all of creation testifies that there is a God. And yet what we did is that we have traded the worship of God the creator for the things that we've created ourselves. We have traded the worship of God for things that we have made ourselves. That's called sin. And because of our sin, Jesus, or excuse me, God had to do this. God has to, because he is just and holy, he has to punish us for that sin. But not only does he have to punish us, the really cool thing is that he chose to absorb the punishment himself by sending Jesus Christ as the perfect spotless uh, lamb, the, the man who lived a perfect holy life, and he took our place for that. And there is one thing you have to do in order to receive that, in order to, to, for God to see us as righteous, and it's called faith. It's called faith. It says, Jesus, our God, I believe that you sent Jesus for me in place of my punishment, in, in place of the wrath that I, Pete Finfrock, deserve for everything that I've done. And God knows the list is about this stinking high. And it is through faith that God says, you are righteous in my eyes. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so many times we forget it. Do you remember the cross? Personally, do you remember it? Do you remember what Christ has done for you? You know, one of the things that, again, just kind of what I said earlier, is that the further that I walk forward in this Christian life, the more that I 
really forget the cross. Like I, I grow forward, uh, I mature in my faith, but so many times I forget um, exactly what took place for that. And, and to, to put it in relation in a, in a very practical sense, uh, I kind of compare it to my marriage. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is my wife, Emily. She is, um, in my mind, the most amazing woman in the world. I'd put her up against anyone. And, uh, you know, being married, one of the things that I've noticed is that you really take for granted a lot of the things that your spouse does for you. Uh, I, I see Emily every day. She does things for me. I do things for her. But it's, uh, there, I, there's not a sense of gratefulness. There's not this, like, I don't really take time to set aside and go, man, just this is who Emily is to me. One of, so one of the things uh, that Emily and I have actually been doing here uh, very, uh, here real recently is, uh, for those of you who don't know, Emily and I are going through the adoption process and, uh, making, we're still trying to figure out, are we going to adopt now? Are we going to adopt later? Uh, when is all this going to take place? But one of the things we had to do is we had to make a book for, uh, for our adoptive mother. And so she is, uh, in order for us to adopt, she's actually going to take this book and read it. And, and if she likes us, I said, cut me out so that she doesn't see my face and she'll see Emily's and probably pick us. But when they, she'll actually look at this book and if she likes what she sees, she's going to say, yeah, you can have my baby. And so that's uh, a really cool thing. But one of the things that we had to do on the very front page, if you open this up, is uh, Emily had to write a paragraph about me and I had to write a paragraph about who Emily is. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever done this before, but it's, it's really a crazy thing because... Uh, Emily knows that I love her. She knows it. She sees it every day by my actions, by the way I treat her, by all those things. Uh, I know that Emily loves me by the way that she treats me and the things that she does. I don't need Emily to sit down and write a paragraph about who I am. I don't need to do the same thing for Emily. But, but what this did, taking 15 minutes out of my schedule to sit down and to go, who is Emily to me? Who is she? Like, I, I know who she is and, and all those things, but, but really, who, who is she? What does she mean to me? How has she affected my life? How has she changed me? How has she just all these different things that, that we forget because we're in a routine? And so here's, here's, not to play on your emotions or try to get you sucked in or anything like that, but this is, this is what I wrote about Emily. I said, uh, a little bit about, uh, about Emily written by Pete. I said, Emily is the most amazing woman in the world. She is quiet and shy until one gets to know her. Once she feels comfortable around you, she is quite bubbly. I don't even know where I came up with that word. Her, her, smi- her smile is one that will light up a room. Her convictions run deep, and her love for the things of God determines her steps. She is gifted with compassion and love for the hurting. Her natural instincts are to nurture and love children in a way that only a mother can. Emily is a pillar in my life, and I am blessed beyond words to have her as my wife. Ah, all the women, all the men are like, shut up, dude. Get, get it over with. Here, here, here's my point in all that. Emily knows how I feel about her. I kind of know how I feel about Emily. It took 15 minutes of my life to pull away by myself to sit down and go, what do I remember about her? How important is she to me? And when I did that, 
her value and the way that I felt about her and, and just everything about my relationship with Emily went to a totally different level. By what? By sitting down and remembering who my wife is to me. One of the things that, that I want to do, and just to tie this back into where, to where we're going is, in, in every single, in, in every person, if you have a worship guide, there should be an index card in there. And, and I want to go back to remembering the cross, remembering Christ, remembering the gospel. There, there's not one? Okay, that's fine. You can write it on the back since I didn't have sermon notes. Uh, one of the things that, that, I, that, that I want for us to do is, and I'm just, it, it touched me in such a, a deep and personal way that when I sat down and I remembered who my wife was, it just, man, it did something that I don't think anything else can do. And I want to take just the next five minutes, and here's what I did on this card, is I put, at the very top, I put, I remember. I remember Christ. I remember the cross. I remember the gospel. And here's, but I made it very personal. There's, there is something about remembering what Christ did for us. There is something about just putting your thoughts out uh, by, by writing them down that it doesn't. Here's, here's what I put. I put, I remember a little less than six years ago when God saved me. I remember the peace that I've had in my heart since that time, regardless of what my circumstances have been. I remember what my life was like before Christ, and I don't miss it at all. I remember how God provided a wife for me that I don't deserve. In spite of my many weaknesses, she still loves me. I remember how over a year ago, God, God called me to start Grace Point Church Rogers. Five simple things of me going, who is God to me? How has Christ like, done something for me? How has he changed my life? And so I want, for the next five minutes, this, this is your time. I'm turning it over. You can write it on your bulletin. You can sit there and think it. For me, putting it down on a piece of paper, I, I'm keeping this thing. Because I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget the cross. I don't want to forget Christ. I don't want to forget the good news. I want what God has done for me to impact my life, for me to grow closer to Christ. When you're finished, uh, man, you can just listen to the song. You can sing. You can pray. You can, you can do whatever. After this, we're going to take the Lord's Supper.